and welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you guys for being part of today. My name is Paul. I am one of the pastors here. When you came in, you probably wondered what these lines are for um, all, all, all around here. They are a special way that we can tell the spirituality of the different people in the church, where you're sitting and what's square. And if you're sitting outside the line, your tithe is 12% today. I just want to let you know for this, this day only. Actually, they're for some youth thing, that uh, youth game or something like that that they do during the midweek. And so that's why they're there. So um, any questions about that, that is the purpose and that's the reason. Hey, thank you so much for being part of today. I'm really glad. Um, that you're here. You guys uh, got up in time and you made it. And if people walk in, if people walk in in about 45 minutes, just greet them and say, good for you. You forgot. I know. I, and all that. Today's going to be a good day for me. Not only I have to do this twice, but um, our, our life group is going to be doing its Micah 6-8 project. We're going to be going down to Kenyatta Cove and helping out a widow that's going to have trouble with some yard work. And so we're going to spend the afternoon um, digging weeds and, and, and trimming trees and things like that. So I'm looking forward to just, just kind of doing that with, with, with brothers and sisters in Christ for somebody else. I think it's just a cool thing. And, and, and I, if you're a life group, if you're in a life group, great. Do something like that. It'll just bond you all together. If you're not in a life group, um, heck, you know, we got some more room in ours. And so we'd love to have you love to have you join that. And there's lots of room in other places. I need to let Len know that. Len, you know, yes, there are other life groups around apart from mine. So he needs to, he wants me to promote others as, as well. Hey, our series for uh, this year is, uh, I'm sorry, our, our theme this year is Illuminate, um, you know, light, you illuminate. And it's taken from a Bible verse, and it's a really cool verse in the Bible. It says this, I pray that your hearts will be illuminated so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he's called us. And there's that word illuminate, and it actually means that the eyes of your heart or the inside part will have an, an inner light given by God himself. The inside of my life will be lit up. And the result of that is what? It's confident hope. Boy, in this world today, what a great thing to have. Not just simply hope, but confident hope that I can move through life, move through these weeks ahead, you know, the years ahead, with, with not just simply hope, but a, a great deal of confidence. And in order to kind of help illuminate us, we've looked at 40 days in the Bible, 40 days in the Word, and, and, and I hope you um, 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 work through that experience. And the Bible is a little bit more living to you than it ever has been before. And we are, are now in a series that we are calling uh, Seeing Jesus, um, looking for Jesus and actually seeing Jesus and who he is and he's all about. And, 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 and there's a, a really wild situation in, in the life of Jesus, and we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of spring it off into, into other things, as we begin to understand, and it's important that we get into and what I would just simply call, theologians would call it Christology, and there's the word Christ in that, and it is understanding the person and work of Jesus Christ. And you might think, oh, oh it's, getting, it's getting deep. Don't worry, we'll, we'll, we'll make it so we can all un- understand it, because it's really cool to understand the person and work of Jesus. Most of the cults or crazy religious movements happen because people get messed up on understanding who Jesus was and what Jesus has done. And so it's important that we would say, man, this is, this is, the, this is the Savior I've got, and this is the Savior that I have, and this is who he is, and this is what he's done. Here's a situation. A.D. 33, or C.E. 33, and it's Passover time in Jerusalem, okay? Now, picture... Picture pumpkin festival, only you know, back then, back at that point in time, and there was no 
pumpkin mac and cheese and no smelly artichokes being cooked or anything, those kinds of like that. And there were lots of people in Jerusalem during the Passover thing, just like there is here during Pumpkin Festival. People come from all over the place. In fact, people would plan their vacations around Passover in Jerusalem. That's how big a festival it was. That's how big of a feast it was. And they would come from not just simply outlying towns. They'd come from other countries because to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem was a big thing. So whenever it happened, man, the place just got really, really packed. Now, you may have friends or relatives, maybe when you moved here to the Bay Area, or maybe every so often some friends from the East Coast or Texas or some Bakersfield, some you know, godforsaken place, want to come here and visit. They always want to see the highlights of the Bay Area, don't they? I mean, they always want to see San Francisco. And what one place they all want to see someplace is Pier 39, which I hate, <laughs> hate Pier 39. And then they want to ride a cable car, and then they want to get ice cream at where? Girardelli, you know, I got to get Girardelli, and then they're going to go across the Golden Gate Bridge, back and forth, back and forth. And, and they want to see the highlights of this area. I don't blame them. And so people are vacationing in Jerusalem, and they want to do the same thing. You know, heck, this is our once-a-year vacation. Um, let's go see the place. And so well, let's go see the temple. You know, there it is, and let's walk around it, you know. And, and then they, let's, go find over, let's go find the place where David killed Goliath. Isn't that really, really sweet there? And we can, get our, we can get Junior, you know, a little miniature slingshot souvenir, you know, and we can get all that kind of stuff. This normal, normal tourist stuff, you know. And, and, and as the Bible says this, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came from Greek areas around, and they're not just simply in Greece, but there's outlying areas where, where Grecian people would live. And maybe they had relatives in Jerusalem or on vacation. You know, they saw the temple, you know, they got the souvenirs, they got the t-shirts, you know, Jerusalem 33 and those kinds of things. And, and it says this, it, well, it says they heard about Jesus and, and they knew, they, 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 would, they would know Jesus was a celebrity in town, okay? And whenever you would go to, let's say, you want to go to Disneyland, you want to see Mickey or Minnie, you know, the important people that are there, or Hollywood, you want to maybe hopefully see a movie star. They want to see Jesus. It says, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we'd like to see Jesus. I mean, as long as we're here, seeing the sights, as long as we're getting, you know, pictures of this and pictures of that, we might as well get, you know, a selfie with Jesus, you know, right here. We might as well. We've heard about him, and you may know him, and, and we know you're a disciple, and so let's get a picture with Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, the Bible says, and Andrew and, Andrew and Philip then in turn told Jesus. And I, I can imagine the conversation, you know, when something like this, Jesus, um, a couple guys love to see you, you know, a couple families are here, they, they, they want to see you, and can just give them, we're talking three minutes tops, you know, maybe get a selfie with them and pictures and sign their t-shirt, and, and, and then we'll be, we'll be done here, you know. Now, now, obviously, when asked, do you want to meet these guys, it's a very simple question, isn't it? It's really simple. The answer is either what, yes or no, you know, yes or no, it's, it's not... A hard question to ask. They want to see you. They want to just see Jesus, you know, the celebrity. This is what Jesus says. Here's Jesus' response. Now, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into glory. Now, the question on the table is, they want to see you. Do you got a couple minutes? And all of a sudden, Jesus is launching off on it. Now, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into glory. I tell you the truth, Jesus says, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. 
Those who love their life in this world, they'll lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And, and now if I were Philip or, or, or Andrew, you know, bringing the message to Jesus, I'd kind of think, yeah, that's really good about wheat, you know, I got it, understand it, and losing your life and all that. But what am I supposed to say to these guys? You know, their question is, they want to see you, and you're launching off on farming methods and losing your life and those kinds of things. You know, Jesus right here, you know, kind of have an issue, you know, right at this point in time. Then Jesus says this, anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Now, this is one of those, I would guess, kind of hidden stories that, that you just don't see. They're almost kind of in the shadows. You almost blow them right by and then you pass them right by because cause it's just seem like a normal situation. But what Jesus is saying here is pretty deep. And it's pretty profound here. And it should blow us apart on the inside. Jesus is saying this. You want to see me because it may be kind of cool or the end thing, you know. You've heard about me. You've heard I'm a good guy. You've heard I'm a good teacher. It might be kind of popular, you know, Jesus. Hey, I met Jesus and all that. What Jesus is saying is from now on it doesn't work that way. And it never should have worked that way. I'm not going to let you see me as miracle guy. I'm not going to let you see me as just simply great moral teacher or nice guy. If you want to see me from here on out, you got to take me for all I am. And that's true even today. And here is the truth that echoes down throughout like forever. Sometimes people will say, well, I like to think of Jesus as this, or I like to think of Jesus as this and this, or I like to see Jesus as, 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 as this, you know. Or I think he was a good teacher. I think he was a good guy. I think he was one of just simply many good religious people that came throughout the world. And what Jesus is saying, it doesn't work that way. You have to take me as the whole thing, all that I am. It's not shopping mall Jesus. It is Jesus, the whole thing. If I want to see Jesus, I have to see Jesus on his terms not on my terms, his terms, not mine. Because Jesus doesn't want me to just simply to see him, to get a glimpse of him, but to follow him with my whole life. Now, this whole account, everything that, that I just read is in, what would we say, John's gospel or John's account of Jesus. John was one of the earliest followers of Jesus, and so he knew him for a really long time. And he was an eyewitness to Jesus' life. And he wrote a gospel or a story about Jesus, or not a story, but the truth account, the historical account of Jesus. And he starts his account of Jesus with this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you're reading the book of John for the first time, you're thinking, oh, great. You know, this is the first verse of the book, and already I'm lost. Already it's using these kinds of words that are just massive and huge and and confusing to me. But what it's saying is, and let's break it down to simplicity. It says this, in the beginning. We know what that means, okay? We know what in the beginning is. If you remember anything in the book of Genesis, and most people know the very first words of the book of Genesis are what? In the beginning. John knew it, and he knew we'd know it, and so he would say, okay, I'm going to take that verse. I'm going to now take it for the reality of what it means in regards to who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word. And we're saying, well, the word. What he's talking about here. Well, he's using the word to mean Jesus. And why doesn't he just use the name? 
It's because to, in that language, in that concept, and it's a little bit like it today, a person's word is an expression of themselves, right? My words, when I'm sharing, they're an expression of, uh, of me. Jesus says what's, what's in your heart is going to come out in your words. So what he's saying is Jesus is the word or the expression of God, the fullest expression of God. And then he says the word was with God. Now, if something is with, it means different than, right? If, if, you know, if I had my son next to me, I would say my son is with me. They're different than me, okay? The word was with God, but then the next phrase is the word what? Was God. Well, if something is, that means it's the same as. You have something that is different than, but the same as. Different than, the same as. And hold on. What Jesus, what John is saying is Jesus and God are different yet the same. And you have the whole thing that's called the triunity of God. And don't worry about the complexity of it. It better be complex because we're talking about the very nature of God. And the very nature of God, the very essence of God is going to be complicated and complex. And he's saying you've got to hold on to this one because the very nature and person of who Jesus is is going to be very complicated, part of this triunity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is God, was with God, is the revealing of God to me and you. Before the beginning of time, he was with God, and he was God. See, we're not just teaching, talking now about just a regular man that seemingly had really good power, really good insight over life. We're talking about Jesus as God, the very God. John says this, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. And you're thinking, ah, maybe John was just a big fan of Jesus and kind of wrote these big words, and, and, and no one else really kind of would go bother to go down that road. The Bible is filled with those kinds of words. The Bible says you take Jesus as God, the creator. The Apostle Paul said this, he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. See that? All things were created by him and for him. That, was, that tree outside there, that was created what? By him and for him. Okay? The ocean, you drove by it this morning as you're coming here. The vastness of it. The ocean was created what? By him and for him. You were created what? By him and for him. And all of a sudden, you know, you got this huge, massive description of who Jesus is. Not little miracle man, not little let's go see Jesus like we want to see the great pumpkin, you know. Not let's just kind of get our picture taken with Jesus. The Bible portrays Jesus, displays Jesus, reveals Jesus as being everything in life. Colossians says this, he's before all things and in him all things hold together. In Jesus all things hold together. And the Bible so clearly points and presents Jesus as the whole point of absolutely everything. And if you're into theology, the term is Christology, okay? And you hear the term Christ in it is Christology. And, and if you mess this up, as I said before, 
the Bible gets very goofy to you, or you move off into directions of, of heresy and cults. And what the Bible's saying very clearly is he's the point of everything. And if I want to see Jesus, I have to see him on his terms. You know, I've, I've heard again and again people say, oh, I like to think of Jesus as. And it's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. You know, it'd be like you like saying to me, oh, I like to see Paul as being this. I am who I am, you know. And you can pretend like you want to see me this way or that way, that way. It may not be true. I am who I, who I, who I am, you know. Jesus is who he is. And we can't just simply make up what we want to see Jesus be like. The Bible doesn't allow that. History doesn't allow that to happen. And so John continues on as he's telling the story of Jesus as he's experienced him. And there are really cool situations that we all remember. He turns water into wine. You know, remember he's at a wedding and they ran out of, they ran out of wine. And so he takes these big stone pots of water and he turns them all into wine and, and people have a really good time you know at this wedding and then he kicks out the money changers and that's a really cool one because that moves right after the water into wine jesus goes into the temple and what he sees here is he sees these tables of money changers and what the money changers did is they say you know in order to give to the temple you have to give a special kind of money especially kind of money and your money's not good enough so you have to exchange it for our kind of money got it and we will charge you, we'll give you 60 cents on the dollar, okay? You give us a dollar, we'll give you 60 cents in, in offering money. So you add that up and they're making a big profit off this thing, okay? And then over here, there were tables with the animal sacrifice sellers. And what they'd say is in order to sacrifice in the temple, <clears throat> you have to have a grade A certified animal. And I'm sorry, yours is just not grade A certified. Neither is yours or yours or yours and yours. However, ours are all grade A certified, so you have to buy our animals. You understand? Money's coming in and in and in and in. And what does Jesus do? He starts kicking them off, kicking the tables over and scattering the money. And the animals are getting chased all over the place. And they're running here and, and, and there. And the whole place is in crazy chaos. And, and we think, I like that about Jesus, don't we? And we like that. I like somebody coming in who's gonna not, not afraid to upset the institution. You know, that's a cool thing, you know? I love that about Jesus. He's getting back to the reality of faith and love of God. Well, let's suppose you're standing there watching the stuff getting kicked over and scattered all over the place. The priests are kind of freaking out because there's no animals now to sacrifice, and there's no one to exchange the coins. And so what they have to do is they have to put up these little signs all over the temple that says, um, pardon our mess, you know, or temporarily close, or be back in two hours, you know, those kinds of things. Because at that point in time when Jesus did that, the temple shut down. They had to, you know. All their inventory stock of money and animals are gone. And so at that point in time, the temple, the way people connect with God or they thought was, was, was dysfunctional. And let's say you came with your animal or your money. What do you do now? You can't do the temple stuff. And remember the water into wine thing? If you back, go back and look at it, the Bible says this. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing. And what they do is before you could eat a meal, you had, to, you had to have your hands washed ceremonially. You had to have them cleaned in a special particular way. And so they would have these, specially, these pots that were specially blessed by the priests and water that was specially taken. And you had to have your hands washed at that point in time. Well, Jesus took those stone water jars and he took the water and turned it into what? Turned it into wine. All of a sudden, your ceremonial cleansing is shot. All of a sudden, Jesus is kind of going through and 
blowing apart all these little ritualized things that we think make us right with God. I can't go to the temple anymore. I can't wash my hands anymore. John 2 says, the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? I think Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. What he's saying is there's something so much bigger here than just washing your hands so you're right with God or giving the right kind of coin so you can finally give to God or sacrificing the right kind of animal so you can be with God. Jesus is saying those kinds of things are passing away. They're not that important anymore. They don't mean anything because the reality is now here. Really cool thing the Bible says in the book of Hebrews now. It says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, okay? That would be referring to the Old Testament. God spoke a lot of times different ways. But in his last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. There it comes again, you know, he made the universe through Jesus. Look, it says in these last days, he's brought his son. Last days. God says, okay. I'm winding this thing down. All these religions, all all these rituals, all these things, they're all kind of fading away because the reality has now come. And then he talks about this. The sun is the exact radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And here it comes. After he provided the purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And as you're taking notes, if you would circle those words, he sat down. Or go home in your Bible and and circle those words, he sat sat down. And I want to spend a second just talking about sitting down. After you guys greeted each other, you did what? You sat down. Okay, you sat down, settled in for a very long message. I'm just kidding. You sat down. Why? Because you were done. Okay, you were done shaking hands. When I'm done with the service, um, um, I I like to go home and fix a sandwich or fix some lunch. And, 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 And I like to, particularly during football season, I like to turn on a football game or baseball game, and I like to do what? I sit down. I sit down. Why? I'm done. I'm kind of done. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually done, at least for, for a few hours. I sit down and want to rest because I've, I've, I'm, I'm done with my chores. I like to sit down. I like, like to watch TV. It's just kind of what I like to do to, to relax um, during a Sunday afternoon. We, um, we decided, Lisa and I, um, that we're going to cut our cable, you know, cut Cut the cable, you know, that's what the terms used. We're going we're gonna to cut the cable. We're done. You know, we're, we're done. We're tired of paying so much to Xfinity and Comcast. Now, if you work for Xfinity and Comcast, God bless you, but you charge too much, okay? We're, we're done. We're done. We're done right, right, right now. So, so, so we cut the cable. And, and Lisa said, well, what are we going to do when we cut the cable? I said, it's not a problem. I said, you know, because I'm the expert head of the household, I'm going to find this kind of stuff out. We're going to get an antenna. I can go on Amazon and get an antenna for about 12 bucks, okay? And I'm going to put that antenna, and we're going to get we're going to get it all for 10 bucks, 12 bucks, and, it, and it's free. So I did my little research, you know, Antenna, Half Moon Bay, what kind of stations you can get. And here's what came up, QVC and Spanish Catholic ch- Channel. Okay, <laughs> there it is. There it is. I can get two stations here. It's like, well, that's not going to work. So I said, okay, what's the next thing? Cutting the cable, you know, because I want to sit down. I want to sit down and watch TV. 
Sorry, I'm not, you can get streaming cable, right? Streaming or streaming internet. I'm going to get streaming internet, which sounds cool, doesn't it? I'm going to be one of those streamers, and I'm going to get streaming internet. And so I said, that's not a problem. All we're going to do is we're going to just type in, and I'm going to log in, and I'm going to just get streaming internet to our TV, you know, direct. TV, direct TV is what we're going to get, okay? 35 bucks a month, which is a lot better than Comcast. So I got it, and Lisa says, okay, we got it? I said, yeah, I, I, just, I just registered in. So we turned on our TV, and guess what we saw? Nothing, <laughs> nothing. Okay, I said, well, that's okay, because in the garage, we can just watch TV in the garage, Lisa, no problem, we'll just go in, because we have a TV in our garage, we work out there. I've got a smart TV there. I've got a smart TV in the garage. So we're going to go and we're going to watch TV now in the garage. And that's okay. I'll bring a bench out and a stool out so we can all just sit there and walk and watch Hallmark movies in the garage, okay? And it's not too cold. The weather's warmed up, so it's not a problem. So we go out in the garage. I turn around, and it's got this little band across the bottom with all these different Internet things you can get, you know? It's got YouTube. It's got Netflix. It's got Hulu. It's got Voodoo. It's got Pandora. It doesn't have direct TV. Now, do you know how many kinds of smart TVs there are in the United States? Hundreds, hundreds. There's only one brand that does not get DirecTV. Only one, okay. And guess what? That's my brand, okay. I ran. So, you know, big hero husband is looking more and more like an idiot, okay. So, so I said, okay, I'm going to go to Target. I'm going to go to Target. I'm going to buy because you need a stick to stick into your TV. I learned that out, okay. Because I just want to sit down and watch TV, you know. So, so I, I, I go to Target. This, this one's true. I, I go to Target, and I said, um, I need something to plug into my TV. What do, I, what do I need to get? And he says, oh, you need one of those things, a Ro- Roku stick. Roku. You guys know Ro- Roku? So I'm a Rokuer now. You know, I'm a streamer. I, got, I, I said, well, where are they? He said, they're in that cabinet, and it's a glass cabinet. And he said, oh, don't worry, it's unlocked, you know. So I went in, and, I, and I, as I slid the, the cabinet open, there was another couple that was looking at Roku sticks, and I noticed that there were only two boxes left. And as I'm sliding open the cabinet this way, his hand reached down and grabbed the last two, you know. <laughs> he carried them off. He carried them off. And I'm going, I just want to watch TV, you know. I just want to watch TV. So <clears throat> anyway, I go, I, go to another, I go to another store, and, and, I, and I buy the Roku stick. You know, and and I, and I go home and I and I plug it in. Now, when you plug it in, you're ready to go, right? No, 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 no. You got to set it up, and you got to use your name, and you got to use your password, and you got to use your email, and you got to use this code and the internet code and your box code, and then you got to use your high school locker combination. For some reason, they ask, they ask for that. I'm trying to think through, and Lisa's saying, "Can we watch TV?" And it's like, "I'm getting there, hon. It's getting there. It's getting really close." <clears throat> we got really close, and finally, I got it all keyed in, and boom. Pow, there it is. Isn't that awesome? You know, this is great. Let's make some popcorn. And so she turns on the microwave, and all of a sudden, the TV just goes, <laughs> my router isn't big enough for it now. So, so if, if you call me, never call me on my cell phone, because if we're watching TV, I can't answer my cell phone anymore for that. And all I want to do is what? I want to sit down and watch TV. And for the last week and a half, I haven't been able to sit down. Because why? Because it's not done. Now, follow this along. Jesus, when he made sacrifice for sin, did what? He sat down. Why did he sit down? Because he was done. It's over. 
There's nothing more that Jesus has to do for your life to get rid of your sins. It's done. And the person of Jesus is who he is. He's God, the very God, coming down in the flesh. The work he did was a sacrifice on the cross. And once he did it, according to our Bible, it says this, he sat down. He was done. He provided purification of sin for you. And therefore, when you see him, you see him as Savior who's done, finished. I talked about John being a disciple of Jesus. Do you know how John again and again referred to himself throughout his his testimony or his story of Jesus? He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He never names himself. You know, I'll say the one sitting next to Jesus, you know, is the one whom Jesus loved. And, and that's a funny term because he won't call himself John, just the disciple Jesus loved. And I heard someone say, that's because John had an ego, you know. I'm the one that Jesus loved. You know, it's me. It's me right here. Um, but I would say that's wrong. I think it's entirely the opposite. I think John never got over the fact that Jesus loved him. I don't think John ever got over the fact that he was loved by Jesus. And so he would say in complete humility, blown away by grace, say, you know who I am? I'm the one that Jesus loved. What a great thing even to put on your gravestone, you know. Who am I? I'm the one that Jesus loved. I think it's a great thing for you to be able to say about yourself. You know who I am? You know who pretty much all I am? I got nothing on my own. I'm just simply one that Jesus loves. The person of Jesus is who he is. The work of Jesus is what he did. And so what's your response to that? How do we respond to this? Because this is where it comes down to you and it comes down to me on the inside. Because we can talk all we want about the Christology, the person of Jesus. We can talk all we want about the work of Jesus. Um, but who is he to you? The worship team, they're going to come on up and they're going to set up behind me. Um, and I'm going to tell a little story about um, a guy about 500 years ago. Um, what was going on with the church was kind of kind of nutty. Because churches on their own, without God continually inserting himself, they fall back into the ritual and the routine, you know come back into the right kind of money needing to be given or the right kind of sacrifice. And what happened to the church, after a while, they went right back into the whole ritual thing. You know, that in order to have a relationship with God, in order to have your sins forgiven, what you have to do is you, you have to give X amount or you have to do these kinds of actions or you have to be baptized this particular way. In order for your sins to be forgiven, these kinds of things have to happen. And it has to come through the church. You have to do it through the church. You can't do it on your own. You know, no, it has to be through us, through the pastors, or the priests, or the religious leaders. The very thing that Jesus said, I want to do away with, is the very thing that we kind of roll right back to. And so about 500 years ago, some people said, um, that's not the way it works. The Bible says it's by, it's by grace and by faith. It's not through a man-made organization. It's not through religion. It's your personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
And so there was this French guy there, and, and once this kind of this whole reformation began to happen, what he said is, I'm, I'm going to write some things down on what it means to really have faith, you know? Not the steps of faith, but the steps in faith. These are the things that happen in you. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read them. Just read them. Just, and, and, I'm, and the question is, I read them, is I'm going to ask, has this happened in you, in you, in you? Because if it hasn't happened yet, we can have a great conversation and talk about it. Or maybe it's happening in you. And maybe as I'm reading them, you'll say, this is what I want to go on in me. Or maybe there's something that God's calling you to say, yes, yes, this is now going on in my life. This is what he wrote. First thing you need to do is believe it's true. Believe it's true. Just say this Jesus thing is true. Second is judging that it is worthy of my love and my desire. I want to judge that this is worthy of my love and desire. This, this thing about Jesus is worthy of my love. Then it's asking Jesus for pardon for my sin. God, I, I, need, I need pardon for my sin. And then it's receiving Jesus, embracing him, adhering to him, and uniting myself to him. I'm uniting myself to Jesus Christ. That's, that's it. Concluding that I have believed and therefore that Christ has certainly died for me, I belong to him. I belong to him. No doubt that's, that's what I belong to. And then experiencing the joy, peace, and happiness that comes from Jesus Christ. Essentially, what Jesus said is, if you want to see me, that's how. That's how. Isn't that cool? And I would say, that's pretty much it. These things, that's what Jesus came to do. And I know many of you can say, you know, yeah, it's been me. That's my experience. That's my story. I, I, I understand those things. They, they make sense to me. And I know many of you, you have not done this yet. You're still in a search mode, and that's okay. Search modes are fine. Um, finding modes are great. And maybe you're saying, this is what I would like to find. And, and, and if so, a couple things. One, we're going to pray these things through. Just a short prayer, really quick, to go through this. And maybe that's the part of your heart that wants it. Or maybe you want to have a conversation afterwards, and we can talk about what it means to be in faith in Christ. But I'm going to invite you to just bow with me right now. Do you believe it's true? I hope you do. Is it worthy of your love and your desire? This is now where it gets kind of hard. But if it is true, boy, it's worthy of everything. Ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I screwed up. And I continually screw up. And I need continual forgiveness. And so I receive you now, embracing you in my life. And I want to be united with you. And because I believe, I now believe I belong to you. Part of you. And so God, give me the joy and the peace.
As I mentioned, um, we would love to talk to you about this. Maybe it's your first time experiencing this. We'd love to know about that. So let us know. Mark your communication card or talk to us. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper right now, which is a complete symbol of everything that Jesus has done for you. And what's going to happen is music's going to play. You're going to be invited to come forward and take the cup and take a piece of bread. Go back and hold on to it. And um, we will take in just a moment together. But remember, this is what Jesus did for you.